You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Today it is November 17th. 2021 and on today's show we're discussing some news that Ryan Zerman shared with the uh, sports junkies in DC a potential look into maybe if he's coming back next year also some news on Justin Verlander where he might land and then a look at three Nationals relievers from this year Mason Thompson Tanner Rainey and Patrick Murphy and where they might fit in three guys who are going to be back in DC next year and what their impacts could be. Three very different situations. So let's get into that on today's show. All right, let's get into it here. Locked on Nationals podcast. So first piece of news comes to us from the sports junkies at 106.7 The Fan in Washington, D.C. This morning, they had Ryan Zimmerman on the show, obviously Nationals first baseman, designated hitter at one point, third baseman as well. And he said that, quote, I am planning on playing next season, end quote. It says no decision has been made, but right now he is proceeding like he is going to play is what it sounds like. He also said he's relaxing right now, so kind of a little bit of, not one foot in the door, one foot out the door, but just kind of enjoying family life. At this point in time, obviously another child on the way for him as well. So that's a factor in all of this. But he did mention the CBA by name and said, you know, I haven't been paying a ton of attention to it. But obviously those discussions are going to start really ramping up. And I think that's going to be a good barometer of kind of where he is, you know, with all of this. If there is going to be a stoppage next season, they're going to have to wait I don't really know if Ryan Zerman's going to want to wait around for, you know, for that to happen and just kind of might say, all right, for the time being, I'm out. I'm not in the game anymore. But we'll have to see, obviously. But uh, this is, this is um, not, I guess I can use the word surprising, right? Like, I, you, if you listen to this podcast, I know everybody's, you know, some podcast, everybody's first. But heard this podcast, I've been a bit skeptical that Ryan would come back. I think it's a situation where... You know, to me, it felt like a goodbye with the tears and his family being there and um, that entire, you know, kind of just a beautiful celebration that they had for Ryan. Obviously, the guy is a tremendous competitor and somebody who wants to win and wants to help this team. And look, he might be as much value to this team right now this coming season than he was in the 2019 World Championship season. Here's what I mean by that. There are so many good, well, potentially good, young players on this team that he could really benefit. You know, guys like your Carter Kibooms, guys like your Luis Garcias, right? Those kinds of players in the infield, you know, that he can interact with on a day-to-day basis, talk to about the game, and it goes beyond him. You know, even guys like Cabrera Ruiz and guys like Lane Thomas, I mean, Having a vet like that is somebody everyone can lean on, especially those young guys trying to find their footing right now and trying to figure out if they're going to be a part of a Washington core moving forward as they begin this rebuild, this uh, restacking, hopefully, for the Nationals towards what is they want to be a winning team again. Ryan can be a essential part 
of that if he wants to be in the form of not just a player that is a good performer. And I thought uh, he said it, you know, I, in the role I was given, I think I did as well as possible. And Mike Rizzo agrees. I, I think also Dave Martinez would agree as well. He did about as well as you could in that kind of pinch hitting platoon role alongside Josh Bell. And the reps went down just a little bit as Josh's play uh, kind of rose, his level of play rose throughout the season. So, and I think he did an excellent job in that. And obviously we've mentioned it several times before on this podcast, a player that can play still at the major league level at 37 years old. There's no reason he can't go and kind of produce uh, next season. So he says there's no decision yet either way, but did say he is treating it, I guess, you know, leaning towards playing. He's treating this offseason like he is going to be a professional baseball player. And obviously it's November. His team was not in the playoffs, but that probably means, you know, he's relaxing some, still getting that cage work in there, still keeping himself in relative shape. You know, sometimes you can come in there in February and get yourself back into shape. But, it, you know, Ryan's a consummate pro. So, you know, keeping himself in shape, keeping himself ready to go. Sounds like Zim at this point in time is leaning towards playing. Now what that means, what that looks like, we're going to have to see. All right, quick break here. Another side, we'll have some more news for you all, and then we'll head into some more of our player interviews and quote-unquote exit interviews. I'm actually interviewing the players, but kind of talking about them, what their seasons were like, and whether they'll be back with the team next year and what that role might be. More bullpen guys. We're going to finish up the pen today as we move forward with this series. But first, a word from our sponsors here on the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting, best-for-you protein bar in the game today. You go to Built.com. That's Built.com. You can check out all of the available flavors right now, of which there are many, and there usually is, my friends, something for everybody. And I love Thanksgiving. I'm sure all of you all do as well. Uh, But pie and things of that nature, a little heavy on the calorie side, so... You know, if it's the next day afterwards and you want a tasty treat, but also kind of want to function, you know, maybe go for a run, Built Bar. That's what we got for you. Built Bars, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and plenty of protein. So you can eat that treat. You can feel good about it. You can also go on your day and, and do some productive things, you know, work out, not feel like you got to be a couch potato. You want to be a couch potato? Go ahead. Enjoy, enjoy a Built Bar being a couch potato. But really, uh, Built Bars are tasty. They can be a dessert. They can be something you use pre- or post-workout, so go check them out at Built.com. That's Built.com, promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D, 15LOCKED15, for 15% off at Built.com today. All right, one other quick piece of baseball news here as we move through the show. Justin Verlander, sounds like he's kind of narrowing his market. There have been some information, there's been some information out there um, from John Heyman who says that Verlander has both a one-year offer and a multi-year offer on the table. Mentioned the Jays as well as other options are interested. Also, something was mentioned, I believe, by John Heyman about a warm, you know, kind of a warm area place, right? Uh, He says the Yankees are involved, and he means for the preseason, I should say. Um, Here's a tweet. says, the impression out there is Verlander might prefer a team that trains in Florida and perhaps on one of the East Coasts. Uh, of Florida because he has a home there in Florida. That's what's talked about by uh, Joel Sherman and then obviously Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic. You guys are familiar with his work as well. 
So uh, Yankees are an option, you know, and, and there's expected to be a decision here pretty soon. I've talked about this. I was I'm skeptical on a two year offer. I wouldn't I wouldn't give that to Verlander just because I know his age. You know, would you want a guy paying him twenty million dollars coming off an injury at the age of forty? I know how good he was in 2019, but you know, at some point, Father Time uh, steps to meet us all in the sporting world. It, it usually comes quicker and it can come fast. And so I know he looked good in that showcase that he had, but that's not a guarantee that he's going to be anywhere near the Justin Verlander that we've come to know and expect. So that's uh, really, you know, one of the big pitchers in the, p- pitchers on the market. So keep your eyes peeled on that. Looks like we could have some resolution on this by the end of the week, you know, and we'll obviously see what happens next week in Thanksgiving week if we do get some more deals being made, if things slow down, what, uh, you know, kind of things look like as we head towards that December 1st freeze date, I guess is the good term to use right now. All right, we'll get to those player exit interviews, as we call them, but uh, right after this, one more quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. They're back. They're better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus upon your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. O-N, locked on, and get that 50% deposit bonus. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, today we're going to finish our exit interviews, as we've been calling them, with some of the bullpen arms for the Nationals. And the first guy we're going to talk about is Mason Thompson. There's so much excitement around this young guy, and he comes over in that trade that sent Daniel Hudson over to the San Diego Padres. And that sent Mason Thompson, the 23-year-old, back uh, to D.C. 6'7", 223, we got a great look at him this year. Thrust into some spots that really, you know, probably was not that accustomed to, but did make 27 appearances for the Nats this season. Had some really great stretches. Had that month of August where he had 3.18 ERA, 4.35 in September, but really had a stretch there where it was, um, I believe it was roughly 10 games uh, consecutively where he did not allow an earned run. And that was a stretch there that he was really uh, impressive. Uh, the strikeout numbers weren't super high, but he was not giving up runs, even though the, the sample size is rather small, you know, third inning, uh, you know, sometimes be two-thirds inning or a full inning. But they're just trying to get this guy acclimated. And we know of Mason Thompson, for him, The real question is going to be about that pitch arsenal. Now, he's just 23 years old at this point in time, but that pitch arsenal is something that we know has to develop moving forward for him if he's going to be a, uh, you know, potentially top-line reliever, which I I think we all know the Nats really hope he can be, or at least a a very effective major major league reliever. And for him, we know that the, the primary pitch is that sinker, right? It's a pitch that he is going to use a majority of the time, right? We, we saw it so much this season that he used, uh, really relied on that sinker pitch to the tune of 81%. That slider followed up at 13.7, the four-seamer at four, and the changeup he threw just five times all season, the four-seamer 
he threw just 17 times. Um, he got a really good whiff percentage, about 68% on that slider. It's a really good pitch, but I think that's a lot of the time coming from the fact that he throws so many hard sinkers, right? That's kind of his game, um, is that hard sinker. But look, he got 9Ks off the slider this year as opposed to 14 with that sinker ball, and he used the slider 58 times compared to 344 on that sinker. So uh, a much smaller usage rate, nearly by 300 pitches, and the strikeouts that he got with him was just five less. Goes to show you what an effective pitch that is. Want to see more of that moving forward. Want to see what that third pitch becomes in the offseason. So important for him to develop potentially a third pitch for him to be really effective. Uh, now, two, a, guy, a reliever can normally get away with two, and he was pretty effective with two, right? He was, he was very effective with two. But if he can kind of move up the ranks at 24, develop that third pitch as a relief guy, boy, the Nationals will be in awesome position with Mason Thompson. Uh, I think they want him to be a, a, a guy that they're going to rely on heavily towards the back, maybe an eighth inning guy, right? Maybe you go Finnegan seven, uh, you know, Thompson eight, or you flip that around. We'll see what Tanner Rainey, if he's going to figure into this situation as we move forward on that. But this is a guy I think they want to prime for that back part of the bullpen. They're going to have a great chance to do it this year. Was you know, a strong year coming over. They, they were dead set, the Nationals were, on getting these boys some run. The new guys that came in, they were going to get those fellows some run. And this is a guy that got some run and I think was one of the more impressive guys. I know there was so much said about Riley Adams and Lane Thomas and obviously a lot of excitement around a top-line prospect like a Josiah Gray. But Mason Thompson, in a position of need for the Nationals, could be a guy they don't have to go out and acquire. They could have an option for one of those late innings in their own uh, system already. And that's a great place to be because we know how important those guys are. The Nationals lacked a lot of those great guys. Um, they had a couple in the back end in, in that World Series, obviously, but I had to go to a guy like Corbin in certain spots. Well, hopefully next time the Nats make a run, they won't have to because they've got guys like Mason Thompson around and Kyle Finnegan around and whoever's going to end up being that closer. Um, they've got those guys around to be a part of that back end strategy. All right, the next guy has drawn the ire of a lot of Nats fans. He's a pretty fascinating case. And that would be Tanner Rainey, all right? This is uh, this is a guy for the Nats that I know so many people have strong feelings about. And you think about what he gave to the Nats, you know, a couple of years ago and, and what that, you know, the expectation was uh, for him moving forward. You know, he didn't meet that, right? He's not a guy who met a lot of the expectations that we had for him going into last year in the 38 appearances and 31 innings, 31 two-third innings that he pitched. He's going to be 29 next season. Um, but this year for him, you know, in his third year in D.C., followed up a year we made 20 appearances and had a 2.66 ERA. In the year we had 38 appearances and a 7.39. And the guy that had to go down to AAA, right? This guy that had to go uh, down there to try and find himself, to try and find his stuff again. 6-4-8 ERA in the first month that he pitched this year, 12-6-0 in May and June is a 4-7-6. But in July, uh, you know, just one appearance to, and then got shelled. August, same thing. Comes back in September and in four and two-thirds innings pitches and 1.93 ERA uh, in the, uh, the five appearances that he made, only one time did he give up a run. 
And then also, you know, he had a rough outing that was last one in October. So it was such a mixed bag from him. And this is a guy that's a two-pitch guy um, and just could not find it all year. Numbers for him, you know, looking at kind of the inside stuff, it didn't really – there wasn't really much of a jump. There's nothing noticeable about the jump from the previous year to this year. Kind of looking at stuff, you know, like – and there's one stat I'm going to give you guys here in a second that that was a jump. Um, but the, you know, predominantly like the stuff kind of looked the same, right? Guys, uh, in 2020 had a really difficult time hitting that slider. That was a very effective pitch for him. The batting average on that was a 0.50 expected batting average of 0.079. Uh, and I mean, 0.05 for the uh, actual batting average, 0.079 for the actual batting average. Um, the one thing that did uptick 2020 teams hit 149 off his fastball in 2021, 253. That fastball was a much more hittable pitch this past season than it was in the past. Um, spin rate didn't really drop. It dropped marginally off that pitch, but still, there really wasn't a whole lot other going on uh, other than teams just started seeing that fastball better. The placement wasn't as good. The put-away percentage back in 2020, 34.8. This year, 15.3. So the pitch itself feels like didn't really change that much, but uh, the amount of swings and misses he was getting and location of the pitch, it feels like, just wasn't always good. He wasn't always on. He wasn't always uh, as refined as he needed to be. So guys under contract next year, he's going to get a chance because of the quality that he has shown at times. He's going to get that opportunity um, to, to you know go out there and prove himself again, right? That is going to be, I think, an opportunity he's afforded in spring training. But I think with the Nationals' slim uh, you know, kind of bullpen situation. It's a guy that at 28, 29 years old, you got to give at least one more look to. You got to give another chance to a guy who you know for you in a Nationals uniform can be effective. He's effective during the 2019 season as well, right? It's a guy that was a part of, you know, of that World Series championship winning team. A guy that was not excellent. You know, it wasn't this um, some all-star type caliber guy, but in 52 appearances, 3.91 ERA, uh, on that season. So a guy, obviously, that was effective in that World Series run. So I think there's a good chance that they give him another shot. Where that is in the bullpen, I think they'll start low leverage and work their way up. But I think it's a guy, it's, it's going to be somebody, uh, they're, they're, you know, with the way things are in that bullpen, they've got to give him another chance, right? Two-pitch guy. Maybe he's a guy who thinks about it in the offseason, tries to develop a third pitch. We'll see. But he's been fastball slider forever. So let's see what he can come back with next year. Last guy we're going to bring up today is Patrick Murphy, somebody that I actually think Nationals fans are relatively excited about, um, but has not necessarily performed great. So last year, they get him in the trade, they said Brad Hand over to Toronto, and they end up getting Patrick Murphy as a part of this deal. Now for him, uh, he comes in and he has a 5.30 ERA in 17 appearances. Wasn't much better in Toronto, but is somebody that I think because of his pitch matching, his pitch mix, and also the, uh, you know, his age, just 26. It's a guy, you know, 6'4", 220. It's a big guy who throws a variety of pitches that they've got under team control. Sinker a third of the time, curveball a third of the time, basically fastball a third of the time. That's really the split. It's essentially even. Uh, sinker is at 33.3%, just, just a bit higher than the curveball. It's at 329 And then the four-seamer at 32.3. 
change up at 1.4. So not really much of a factor, but he will use it occasionally. So three pitches, I think that gives you, uh, you know, a good look. It's got you, give you different looks, right? That's, that's something that we talk about with a lot of these relievers, right? So something I've mentioned with a lot of these guys is, hey, can you give dudes different looks? Um, the problem is, is that teams have been very effective hitting uh, two of these three pitches. The fastball and the curveball were pretty easy to hit this season. Uh, teams hit 308, opposing batters at 308 off that curveball. Off the four-seam fastball, they hit 273. Sinker to 225, but the expected batting average off of it was 328. All right, so, you know, that's it's not very good, even though that's actually got some of the best results. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with him, though, but I think people are excited because they've got him under team control, and this may be a guy who can turn it around, and sometimes a change of location, sometimes a full off season can get it, you know, get that comfort level up. So what I think it's really something to watch is Patrick Murphy, what's he look like in spring training? And I think that will give us an indication of, uh, you know, what kind of guy he potentially might end up being. And also worth noting, a lot better against lefties than he was against righties, Lefties hit 235 against him with a 316 on base, 373 slugging, and a 688 OPS. Right-handers hit 302 off him, 380 on base. So, uh, you know, not bad against those lefties. Let's see if we can get those numbers trending in the right direction for him. It's going to be a lot more consistency there. Let's see. A guy that's definitely someone to watch in spring training. All right, that will do it. We'll wrap up bullpen guys and start on starters in the next show. We're going to talk our next couple shows. We'll talk with Dan Wilson of Locked On Phillies tomorrow. Talk about, you know, the National League East race and what it looks like for these teams trying to catch up with the Braves and kind of what the windows might be for these other teams in the division. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.